You're listening to Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. Morning, honey. Welcome back to Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word on the Psalms of Ascent. We're on Psalm 121, second week on this one. So, what's our recap on last week? We talked about where our true help and protection comes from. Not in solid things that we can always see, but things that are unseen, the power of God that comes to our aid and is there with us constantly. And it's not changing. And that was a great comfort to me. The things that are visible to me are not always going to be here. They're temporary. We know because of moving dirt and building our home that the landscape changes pretty pretty <laughs> quickly does. and pretty easily. But the mountains themselves are very old. Yeah. I also remember highlighting that the landmarks themselves can be threatening the first time, but when you repeat a journey, when you go back and lead others through it, they can be comforts in that they remind you that you're almost there. Mm -hmm. There are things worth looking forward to. These songs specifically were sung at places of interest. There were specific places that they talk about in the psalm. It's a visual. And so the people traveling this journey knew what those places were, and they knew what the landmarks were, like you said, so they could see them being described in these songs as they travel. For the sake of remembering all this, these eight verses are not long. Let's go ahead and read the whole thing again. Okay. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation today. A song of the stairway. I look up to the mountains and hills, longing for God's help. But then I realize that our true help and protection is only from the Lord, our Creator who made the heavens and earth. He will guard and guide me, never letting me stumble or fall. God is my keeper. He will never forget nor ignore me. He will never slumber nor sleep. He is the guardian God for his people, Israel. Yahweh himself will watch over you. He is always at your side to shelter you safely in his presence. He's protecting you from all danger, both day and night. He will keep you from every form of evil or calamity as he continuously watches over you. You will be guarded by God himself. You will be safe when you leave your home, and safely you will return. He will protect you now, and he will protect you forevermore. There's a lot of action on the part of the participant here, the person traveling the road, and it starts with, I lift up my eyes. That's important for us to actually be present, engaged, and not just be passive in these situations. If it's going to be a psalm that means something to us in our sense in modern day, we don't always think about physically climbing a mountain. But the metaphor is always present. We don't lose that metaphor in modern humanity. Careers are often thought of that way. Mm -hmm. Even ministry is thought of that way. Moving on to the next big thing, impacting people more or going more places or winning more souls, whatever. We're very evangelical in our thinking about wanting numbers as much as we want to be present with individuals. Mm -hmm. There's not a whole lot of plurality in this psalm that I read. This is about one person's soul reaching out to God and reminding God of his promises to that one person about their journey. The personalness of this is really important to remember. Yeah, we talked about too last week how the God of Israel, the Yahweh God, the ever-present God, doesn't sleep or slumber. He constantly watches over us. I was reading a book recently, and it reminded me of how there is nothing that I can do in my life that goes unseen by the heart and eyes of God. And he looks on those things 
with great love and compassion. He's always loved me. As you would say, he's never not loved me. And it is a great comfort to see, again, in Scripture reiterated that he's always watching. He's guarding over us. He's a shelter, and we are in his presence, whether we feel like we are or not. And oftentimes, I don't feel I'm in God's presence. I've been in a place where it is lonely. I remember being a little girl at my grandparents' house. And I was very sick and I had been staying with them for the summer, had like feverish kind of sleep. And my grandmother had given me some medicine before bed, big old bed by myself. And I wasn't in my own bed and I wasn't home and I didn't like it. And I wanted my mom, I wanted to be safe, rolling over and waking up and seeing my grandmother sitting in a rocking chair and she was asleep. I coughed or something and she immediately was awake and watching me. God is like that, but he's not asleep, Yeah. but he's watching in the silence. He's there. And when we cough from illness or we have some kind of emotion, he's there immediately. My grandmother came immediately to the bed to my side. And I'm reminded that is what God is about. He's not going to interfere where we don't want him. He's going to let us be in these places, but he's going to watch over us. That is a great comfort to me. Sometimes I just need to know that someone's there caring for me. I think it's more that God does watch over than he watches out for us. Because Mm -hmm. we think about watching out for somebody, we're being cautious for them because we don't know what's coming up next. And we want to be the first to respond to it. Every parent kind of feels that way about kids approaching the corner for the first time or waiting at the school bus stop or something. Those situations, we don't know what's coming. Mm -hmm. So we are extra cautious in places where our kids might face harm. God's not like that. Yeah. He knows exactly what everything is and where it is in its place and where it is if it's out of place. Mm -hmm. He knows already. So it's not like he's fearing or fretting about what might happen to us should he not pay enough attention to us. Mm -hmm. But he's there for us. And to deconstruct the thought a bit, many people approach that first notion of God's seeing everything. And the first notion is, well, that's a negative. God sees me Uh at my worst. And he starts there at my worst, and we have to figure out a way to reconcile after that. And nowhere in these Psalms we hear that God starts from a perspective of condemnation, ever. There's a whole branch of Christianity for the past three or four hundred years of God looking at us only through the lens of what Jesus has done for us and can't see us as valuable until he sees Jesus suffer and die. That doesn't make any sense to me because this is already in the heart of God to be a redeeming God. And if you really set all this stuff in motion from the very beginning, it's not because he was trying to correct his own problem. It's because this was going to be the embodiment of his love in action, that we could perceive what God's love means to him. So I don't see that God ever has started with looking at us from a negative lens from the moment of creation. His love was the first thing that led Absolutely. And a lot of people don't feel that. Not because God's put this condemnation on their hearts, but because they believe what they've been taught is they have to really be really, 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 really sorry. They have to feel lots of negative emotions for things they may have done or forgotten to do or whatever else. As children, even as adults. And starting from this attitude of we got to correct things before anything can begin. Mm -hmm. When Jesus has already said the tough work has already been accomplished Before you even came on the scene or knew that I loved you, I already set the stage for you to be able to be loved Mm -hmm. and for you to perceive that I'm loving you before you even knew you needed it. Yeah. 
That's the kind of God we're seeing in these kind of songs of ascent. We're going to a God of welcome as we go up these steps. Exactly. I mean, we see that this psalmist is saying, God has been watching over me. God will continue to watch over me. I am in his presence. He was, he is, he will be. And we see that throughout this psalm in particular and many of the psalms. It's not all of a sudden Jesus shows up and, oh, now God is loving us. He was loving us from the beginning, like you said, from the moment of his thought for creation. We were imagined the universe. Right. He's protecting us from danger both day and night. I read that and I thought, well, I've been in danger and injured even. And I know people who have been in danger and injured. We know people who are on the front lines of conflict around Mm -hmm. the world right now that are in grave danger. And we pray for their protection. We pray that God is protecting them, but we don't know what the outcome will be. Our hope is that they will come home safely to their families. We don't know if they will. Does this mean that God is not protecting them from danger both day and night, that he's not keeping them from calamity or evil? Well, I don't know the answer to that. I don't either. And a lot of times we assume that, well, if something bad happens, he must have been protecting them from some other worst thing we didn't know about. We start rationalizing in our own minds what must have been in the heart or mind of God when this bad thing happened. And we've had plenty of people in this world who die of strange diseases because they live a lot longer than humans did a thousand years ago. Life was very, very different. And there are probably diseases we're creating because of the kind of technology and chemicals that are in our systems and in our environment now that we're not there a thousand years ago. We don't know all the things we have accidentally done to ourselves, like looking back in history and seeing that the Romans were poisoning themselves with lead pipes and didn't even know it was poisonous. There are things throughout history that we introduce in that create suffering, even unintentionally. But that doesn't mean God's not watching over us no. or protecting yeah. us. Or that he can't correct things or do miracles in the meantime if he wants to, or it's in his will and heart and mind that this is the best path forward, not just for us, but for those around us and for history. He's got it all at heart. So I can't imagine that I'll ever in this lifetime get a handle on what God's thinking in any given moment, other than to ask him to reveal what he wants to reveal to me in this moment. And trust that what that knowledge is, is actually a comfort in suffering. And it's a protection from things that, as we mentioned last week, are even worse than the physical, emotional, or spiritual suffering we might be going through. Mm -hmm. There are things that God does protect us from that are for the benefit of protecting us from the worse. Mm -hmm. I'm sure of that because we've seen that in our own life. For example, when I would describe what happened with my stroke back in 2009, I was a fairly young man. And basically, a blood clot jumped through my heart, ended up slamming in my brain, and gave me a stroke. It was that close to me leaving this earth on that day. We learned over time that that particular kind of stroke was very rare because that blood clot crossed my heart through the only way it could go through, which was a hole in my heart, which was not supposed to be there. Had it not gone through, it would have gone straight to my lungs, and I would have been dead that day. Absolutely. And yet, it jumped. And it went up into my brain and I paid the price for it with losing a lot of my cognition and my ability to move for a good year. That event was traumatic. But I can't help but think that for me, God gave me a stroke to save my life. And medically speaking, that is absolutely true. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training and theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry. These are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. 
You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time Business Hours at 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone no matter where you are. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. We learned over time that particular kind of stroke was very rare because that blood clot crossed my heart through the only way it could go through, which was a hole in my heart, which was not supposed to be there. Had it not gone through, it would have gone straight to my lungs and I would have been dead that day. Absolutely. And yet it jumped and it went up into my brain and I paid the price for it with losing a lot of my cognition and my ability to move for a good year. That event was traumatic, but I can't help but think that for me, God gave me a stroke to save my life. And medically speaking, that is absolutely true. And I got to trust that God knows that and knows me and knows us and knows what his plans are for me. And they're not to crush me. Yeah. I think because we are such physically minded people, we think in the physical realm that we assume or we decide that scriptures like this have to do with our physical bodies. And in your case, that was a very physical thing that happened. We trust God's wisdom in that. When I read these scriptures, I see it now, maybe not before, but now I see it as more of my soul and that God himself is guarding my soul. My soul is in his hands and I will be safe when I leave home and safe to return. He protects me now. He protects me evermore. He protects me from evil and calamity. He's protecting my soul. My soul is in his care. Yes. And when I look at it- He's a soul doctor. Yes. When I look at it with that perspective, I can make a little more sense of it. Understood. I am not always going to be protected from physical harm. Mm -hmm. And those we love will not always be protected from physical harm. We've experienced that in our lives. People that we love dearly have been hurt deeply and permanently physically. And thinking that of all humanity, there's 100% minus one, maybe two people that have not actually died. (laughs) So (laughs) we are all going to, in some ways, have to jettison this tent sometime. Yeah. I do think it's important to look at scripture as a holistic Mm -hmm. scripture and it encompasses all of us, our physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, all of it is together because we are a complete integrated body. And if we're thinking holistically, that's why they would ask in ancient times, what sin has caused this ailment? Because they, they understood that people were integrated, that if there was a soul sickness, it could have a great effect bad effect mm. on the human body itself. And so they assumed that every disease then had to be caused by some kind of internal turmoil or sin. Mm. Some kind of demonic oppression or something would be involved with every ailment. Now, we know a lot more today about medical causes of diseases that are caught or passed along from person to person. And we don't like to regard ourselves as being that integrated as a society that everything we do, every cough we cough, every breath we breathe could be giving life, it could be giving death. But we know more about that now. The responsibility we feel or should feel for taking care of each other is something that's kind of novel in human history. We get why these diseases spread. But we also know that soul diseases, these misbeliefs, these denials of truth, these unwillingnesses to accept God's word in our hearts and lives can have grave consequences on our physical realm as well. 
The people literally die from lack of hope and from trust. People die from mental illnesses because they're afraid or the anxiety Dis- overwhelms their fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's integrated. Does that mean that every single illness is something that has to be dealt with on every level? Probably not. I don't think you're going to go to your pediatrician and say, I need you not to just pay attention to my son's cough, but to deal with all of his feelings about it. You're probably going to say, your job, my job. You comfort, you train, you raise that person up, you give them courage, you feed them the chicken soup, you give them the aspirin three times a day. I'll give you a prescription for what he needs. These different roles have different responsibilities, but God puts himself in both those places, it seems. He's being a good parent. He's one like your grandmother doting over you at the bedside. He's also the one that's seeing like a traffic cop, everything is coming at you. He sees all of it. Yeah. Why don't we focus on that last four verses again? Because we didn't talk to them specifically last week. Beginning at verse five, the Lord serves as your guardian. He is at your right hand to serve as your shade. The sun will not strike you during the day, nor the moon during the night. The Lord will protect you against all evil. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. Those verses seem like God is suddenly in the subservient role to us, like he's standing by as our footman to serve our needs, putting an umbrella over us in the heat of day. But, you know, the sun, the moon, they represented powers that had sway over the earth. So when it says they will not strike you, it's this impression that I'm overwhelmed with creation. There are things out there I can't control, and they're against me. The sense of I'm alone in this, like you mentioned earlier. It seems like God's saying, yeah, things won't change necessarily in the physical realm or in circumstances, but I'm going to keep that very thing from striking at the core of you. Well, we know that historically the ancients believed the sun and the moon were beings. Yeah. And rulers of realms. Yeah. And that the sun would beat down on you in the daytime and, you know, cause heat stroke. But then where this was written in the desert areas, the sun was hot in the day. And then at night, the temperatures dipped really low and got colder really fast. Really fast. And the moon was thought to bring that cold. You could freeze to death in the desert at night. And so I look at this as seeing these are the things that the psalmist is saying, God is protecting me from this being the sun that will attack me in the day. And this other other being the moon that will freeze me at night. We know that that's not reality, that they're not beings that think about attacking us. But we've been through a desert. We've driven through Southern California and Arizona when it's super, super hot. And then at night when the temperature drops drastically. Even a good weather, almost 50 degree change in temperature. Yeah, it, it can be shocking to your body. So these travelers out in the open, as they're camping out in the desert at night and traveling through the desert in the daytime, they're experiencing these drastic temperature drops. And the psalmist is saying, God is protecting us from these beings that we think might attack us. The boogeyman. Yeah. And the power that they have over us to strike us down. Yeah. Not just to knock us this way or that way, but to really keep us from rising up again. Interesting thing, too, about that physical locality. You're rising up from the level of Jericho to Jerusalem. Thousands of feet of change of elevation, but you're not just going up like from the seashore to the top. You're going from the deepest part of Earth's atmosphere by the Dead Sea to the clearest air in the desert around. So you're rising up through what's really interesting. I've experienced this myself. It's almost intoxicating Mm -hmm. down by the Dead Sea because the air is so rich. 
and so oxygen rich that you just feel soothed. There's something about the atmosphere down that low where the mix of gases does different things to you. And the light's a little bit different too. It's just something about the kind of desert haze and there's less UV light I've learned. They literally send people down to that part of the desert for skin ailments and stuff because they want people out in the sun to get their vitamin D up. But that part of the atmosphere, that low below sea level is far less UV A and B. That kind of light, which could be damaging to your skin and stuff, is not nearly as damaging in the atmosphere down there as it is at high altitude. That's interesting. So these people are rising up from the extremes of atmosphere on the very planet Earth. And God knows that. They didn't discover those pressure differences until thousands of years later. But yet he knew. And this very road took him through both those extremes. Yeah. That's so neat. I I love how God allows us those discoveries to say, wow, this is something that God had ordained for us. He he prepared this for us. And we can now understand it better in our human understanding. In a scientific way. In a scientific way. And I think that's great. I think God is honored by that, that we can acknowledge these are the reasons that these things are good, that they were created this way. It's helpful to us. And God provided that. Indeed. So what's a wrap-up thought for you for the Psalm 121? What's the big theme that jumps out to you? God's presence. Just that he is in and around and through, over and under all of the, mm. the goings-on of my life. And he's aware of where I sit and the relationships that I have with others and even the relationship I have with myself. He's aware and he is, through all of that, loving. Yeah. God's presence for me is God in the present. I think about the waves of people rising up through these valleys to go to Jerusalem for the celebrations. Everyone didn't cross this one point at exactly the same time. Thousands of people over a period of time, maybe a week or so, will be traveling this road. Mm-hmm. Everyone sang the same song at the same places at different times, but on the way to the same time and the same place, they would meet together on that mountain. Mm-hmm. So was God present when that first group went through? Was he present when the last came through? You bet he was. So this song of presence and of ascent, God is ascending with each of those individuals and groups every single time they're on that path. And I get reminded about that every cycle of my life. He's present and was present before he even got there and says, hey, welcome. I'm walking with you now. Sometimes we have to be reminded that we're not only not alone, but not lonely. Mm -hmm. We don't need to be lonely. There are times when you just know that you're in the presence of somebody, even if you're not talking to each other, it's good to be there. Like long car rides with somebody you love and haven't talked for hours, but you've just been enjoying the world together. You kind of read each other's minds because you know each other so much over all these years. You know you're going to enjoy certain things together, and maybe you'll mention it. Maybe you won't, but you were there together. Later, you'll have a story to tell at any time someone asks, how was the trip? And you'll both talk about the same things you notice or maybe different things you notice, but you would jointly have a story. I think traveling with God is a lot like that. The way he brings to life things in us, helps us to see with his eyes, helps us on the other end of the journey to look back with eyes that are kind Mm -hmm. to the journey. And the things we remember can be pleasant things. They can be meaningful things. They can even be transformed negative things where they don't have to haunt us the rest of our life, but they travel with us as reminders of God's grace at a time we didn't even know we needed that grace. 
I think that's all we have time for today on Chasing the Word here at Compassion Radio. We hope that you will go to the website and listen to the podcast if you miss it on the radio and download the study guide. We'll have it there on the podcast page of Chasing the Word and that you will please join us tomorrow for the next installment of Compassion Radio. Through life's fearful path For my love is often cold He must hold me fast He will hold me fast He will hold me fast For my Savior loves me so He will hold me fast Those He saves are His delight Christ will hold me fast Precious in His holy sight He'll not let my soul be lost His promises shall last But by Him at such a cost He will hold me fast He will hold me fast He will hold me fast For Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We need you, friend, so contact us today.